You hold on to that for Pop Pop, okay? All right. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. I want to welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. I know like that weather thing is iffy, like, well, wait a minute, the weather was coming and now it's not, and that was just a little report. It was pouring about five minutes ago. So good call on whoever made that. Thank you, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and the rest for leading us before the throne in worship today. You know, a lot of people in the world don't have this opportunity. A lot of people cannot just gather and have the freedom that we do, the grace that is bestowed upon us to just sing our hearts out, to open up the word that comes directly from God to us, to enjoy the presence of his spirit right here. May we take, never ever take this moment for granted, but take advantage of this opportunity. I want to ask you a question, and we're going to pause on this for a moment as we pray. I want you to ask, ask this question, where is your home? Automatically we go, well, 75 Crestmont Drive, right? Where, where, where is your home? Just pause for a moment and ponder. I want you to think about the answer to that question as we bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and we thank you for creating us in your own image. Thank you for ordering salvation, for choosing and electing. Thank you for offering your own son, Jesus, Thank you for the work of Jesus that was accomplished on the cross as a payment for our sins so that by our faith in the work that Jesus accomplished, we have access to you. Thank you right now for the ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, within this place. We thank you for the Spirit that seals us. And now, Lord, we pray that through your word and your spirit that you would light a fire within us. The day, the time, is unlike any other. These are urgent and important moments. And I would pray, Lord, that we would lean into you and we would listen. Please, Lord, help me. in constant and desperate need of you, we are. Now, may you speak, and may us, your children, listen. And Lord, if there is someone that hears this message this morning that does not know you, that today your spirit would draw them unto you. Lord, that is our prayer. Bless us now. We ask this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Where's your home? Think about that word for a moment. Home. It's a short four-letter word. 
What I find is interesting is that 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 word can evoke many, many thoughts and images and pictures and memories and feelings. Some of you hear the word home and automatically it's a positive feeling. It's a safe place, a place that is warm, a place that we are soothed, a place that we long for, look forward to. We love to be home and there's positive thoughts and ideas that come with that word home. And yet there's other people that are sitting here this morning listening to this message and the word home does not bring positive thoughts or warm fuzzy feelings. As a matter of fact, the word home can bring negative thoughts. It's, it's for you maybe a place of uncertainty or instability. Home, sadly for many people, is a place where there is shouting and curses and drunkenness and fighting and fear and abuse we think of home and that's where some people go the word home for others may not always be positive or negative it's just indifferent a place where you could really you know what i could take it or leave it it really doesn't matter i'm just going to buy my time until i'm out i really don't care what happens in my home this morning, I want to focus on this word. I want to tell you and teach to you and preach to you the truth that when you recognize the reality that there is a holy God, that he is so set apart from us, and yet what? In our sinfulness, we fall desperately short, and yet God in his love made a way for us to be in relationship and fellowship with him. I'll tell you the truth, that when you put your faith in the finished and full work of the Lord Jesus Christ, accept him as Lord and Savior, you accept the gift that he has offered to us by grace, I want you to realize that God right now offers you a home, a home. And this home is unlike any other. You see, a home is a special place, not, not because of what it is, wood or brick or stone or, or mortar. A home is special because of who is there. When I think of my home, immediately what? I go to, there's my wife there, there's Wendy, the one who completes me. The one who, in a sense, has put up with me for all those years. And oddly enough, I think she still kind of loves me and thinks I'm kind of cool and cute even at times. You see, our home, there's a connection between husband and wife. I believe very clearly the word teaches what? The strongest human relationship that is known to all of mankind is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. They are made to fit together. Let me tell you this, not two men, as the world would say. Not, not two women, as the world would say. Whatever it is, no, that's not what we see in the Word of God. It's one man, and it's one woman. So, so perfect is that image, is that analogy, is that illustration. Think of it, it's reflective of the image of what? The local church, which is referred to as the bride of Christ. And what? Our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, Ephesians chapter 4, Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 21. We see this all the way through Scripture, these images of what the bride and the groom, the, the church in Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loves this analogy. Three of the four Gospels all use it. And this analogy is significant because in ancient times, when a man asked a woman to marry him, and she what? You know, guys, what I'm thinking. She said, yes. I can't believe it. She said, yes. When a man asked a woman to marry him, and she accepted he would then leave her, and he would go, and he would build a home for her, a shelter, a safe place, a house. And then, when the home was finished, he would what? He would go get his bride and go get her. Then they would get married, and then they would move into their new home Together. They would not live together the way that many in our society say, well, let's just give this a little practice run here to see how it goes. No, it's not like that. It was one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage together. God will never bless. God will never, ever bless direct disobedience and blatant sin. We have before us a model of what a home looks like. We have before us what the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I don't know if you realize it or not, but that is exactly what God is doing right now for us, his bride. He is preparing, he is building a home for us. Why? Because there's going to come a day where he comes to get us. And we will abide with him forever. The Gospel of John chapter 14, these are well-known verses. Let me direct your attention. Jesus is speaking and he says this, beginning in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. First point I want to give to you this morning is to remind you that God is building a home for you, for you in heaven. I go to prepare. Mudzo is the word. It means to make ready a place for you. Matthew Henry describes this section of Scripture. He calls it a general caution that Christ gives to his disciples against trouble of heart. So what is happening here? Jesus is sitting with his disciples in the upper room. And he reads the room. 
Just like he's reading the room this morning. And as Jesus reads the room, he sees in people's eyes, those disciples. He sees worry in their eyes. And he sees fear in their eyes. They've been talking about suffering. They've been talking about betrayal. They've been talking about death. And what does he do? He offers care. And he offers what? Concern for them. Why? Because, because they're facing something that you and I face every single day. They're facing the reality that someday your physical body will stop breathing. And your heart will stop beating. Someday you and I will die. But our soul as we are created in the image of God, is eternal. And our soul will not die. And we know, we teach this, we preach this all the time. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will go to heaven. You will have a home that has been prepared for you. And it's the most important place. Why? Because of who is there. Our Heavenly Father is there. God is there. And we know what? Face the truth. If you reject Jesus, you've heard the message of this one Messiah who has come as a Savior to save us from our sin. And you hear that and you reject your what? Your soul. Goes to a place called hell. For all time, for eternity. It says in Revelation, forever and ever and ever. A doctrine of hell that is almost, what? Untaught, untouched today. A, a place that says that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only from the pain that is inflicted, but the greatest torment will be the separation of the one who has created us. That you, by rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, will spend eternity in hell. Now, now, until what our heart stops beating, you are here on this earth. And you have been given clear instruction from the Word of God of how we are supposed to live. And as a matter of fact, we're actually commanded to invest into our eternal home that God is preparing for us. Not, not our temporal home, but our eternal home. And we do that by focusing on what? We wake up every day and we are to focus on the kingdom of God rather than our own little kingdom. How, how, do we, how do we prepare? How do we live? We focus on what? I talk about it all the time. Souls. We focus on souls over stuff. Thankfully, God teaches us how to do this. And, and we've been talking about this by way of the fact that we've been given a little tiny bit to steward. Steward is one who manages another person's property. And it is required of a steward that they be found faithful. We've been talking about this. Stewardship is knowing that God owns everything. Everything you see. And we're just his manager. We're managing what he's loaned to us. We've talked about what stewardship is knowing that our heart always 
goes where we put God's money. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we know that there's a direct connection, as much as we don't like to touch it or talk about it, there's a fundamental linking between our spiritual lives and our financial lives. What you think about God, what you think about the Word of God, what you think about the money that God has loaned to you. And Scripture is full of this. Be content with what you have. Don't, don't follow the chasings of this world looking for the next best. It says what? Take your first fruits and give it back to the Lord. To be faithful in the stewarding. It actually says to bring it into the storehouse. It tells what? If you have two coats, take one off and give it to the guy that doesn't have one. Or to feed the poor. Care for the needy. The widows, the orphans, the downtrodden. It says that God loves when we do this cheerfully and sacrificially. And told what? That it's far more blessed to give than to receive. Now what? Now, now knowing that God is preparing for us, building a place for us, what should that do in the midst of this um, world that is kind of like constantly wavering and moving vastly and shifting that truth of simply knowing god is preparing a place in abode should bring great comfort great strength great peace even in the midst of some scary and unknown times that we all face what i find fascinating is that god has given to us a means of, of how this is to happen Thankfully, according to what? Acts chapter 2, God has established the local church of Jesus Christ, ordained the local church. That's, that's who we are gathered together. Doesn't matter outside, inside, we are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the local church is the primary means that God has given to us as the vehicle to show that we care and show that we love to every single person around us. Second point I want to remind you this morning is this, that God offers hope to you so that through Jesus, you can offer that hope to others. God, God has given you something of magnificent and marvelous truth. Why? So, so you pass it on to others. We, we actually reminded the little ones that no one comes unto the Father except through me. Now that statement alone has thrown the world on its head. Do you realize when, when Jesus Christ himself says what? No one will make it unless you go through me. You know what that means for the 1.9 billion Muslims that live in this world who, who claim another means? Do you give thought to the idea that there's 1.1 billion Hindus that are not acknowledging the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation? Do, do you get that? Do you realize that there's more than 500 million Buddhists who would openly reject the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And yet, just as we reminded the little kids, the only key to unlock the truth what? The only means to God is to go through Jesus. You know what it really 
What it means, you realize that there are 2 billion people on the face of this earth who have yet to, to hear the name Jesus. They have no access to the, to, the, to the gospel and to the stacks of Bibles that we have collecting dust in our own homes. 2 billion people, and yet we are confronted with this truth that we have been given what hope to offer it. And the only hope for the entire world, is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are to go through Christ acknowledging who he is and what he has done. What? His sacrifice. Jesus gave his life for you. So that we have a means to be with his Father, our Heavenly Father, God in heaven. Therefore, we are to what? Follow him, obey him, become like him. As Jesus gave to others, gave to us, what are we supposed to do? We too are to give. Immediately, people steer and they pivot. Wait a minute, if I, if I, if I give things, then I get to go to heaven? Right? That's the way we twist and distort? Absolutely not. Sadly, that's a mistake that many people Make. If I just give something, then I'm good to go. No, that, that's not what we're talking about here. There is no amount of giving that will ever get you to heaven. You can't give enough if that's your what? Understanding of how you're to be there. But because, because we've gone through Christ as our means of salvation, but our sufficiency is in his work, in his grace. As a result of his gift to us, we have the privilege and the opportunity to give back to him by giving to others through the means that God has given to us. And what we, we know throughout the whole Bible, God commands us and Christ models for us generosity in our giving. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ offers great rewards for faithful giving. And so I ask, why is this so difficult for us? Why, why is this concept, like, untouchable? Just don't go there. Why do so many people struggle with it? People struggle for the same reason that we struggle with other things. There's what? There's barriers in front of us. There's roadblocks and obstacles that get in our way. And the list is long. I think faithlessness, like really, really? God is really going to reject billions of people? Like really? And I think there's an element of faithlessness, unbelief. I think there's elements of our own insecurity, like, like, like I can do it, I can handle it. I can earn it, I can win it, I can buy. I think there's elements of pride that become obstacles. Certainly, certainly in this world, there's idolatry. There's these little cell phones that we spend, what, more time on than we ever spend in the Word of God. And that little thing has become an idol in our lives. I've heard that people actually sleep with their phone under their pillow or on their bed with them. Like, what, what, what is that? Like, what is that? So there's a lot of obstacles that have come in front of us. 
a desire what? For control. We call the shots. Somebody else calls the shots for my life. The very fact that we look around us and we live in a materialistic, pleasure-driven, comfort-seeking society makes it all the more difficult for us. However, I personally believe that the single greatest deterrent is that people today are buying the fact that this is your home. That's the single greatest obstacle because people are buying the fact that this is what we're living for. Realizing in the ancient world, when it talks about I'm going to build a home for my bride, you realize home is not like the concept that we have today. Push the button and the garage door opens, okay? A home in the ancient world was a shelter. It was, it was a place that protected you from what the elements, the rain and the cold and the heat. It was a place that you worked hard all day and then you went there just to get a break. Okay, a home in ancient world is not like the, the comfortable world that we have today. Cold drinks at our disposal. Okay, plush cushions where people what? See, their home was a place to drink beer and play video games and watch porn. You see, when, when we talk about the fact that, that God is preparing for us a home, he's talking about what? A place that protects us and shelters us in his very presence. Therefore, what? If the greatest obstacle that people are getting caught up in the fact that they think that this is their home, stewardship teaches us, the Word of God teaches us that heaven, heaven, not earth, is our home. We're just passing through. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says what? Our citizenship is in heaven. We, we hold a passport. We have social security card and we say our citizenship went far beyond that. Our citizenship exists and abides in heaven. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, those who died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. It says in verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Ah. God, God's word is so clear that we are pilgrims, we're aliens. I think my, my, my favorite picture that is used here is one that Peter uses. As long as I am in this, skenoma is the word in Greek, as long as I'm in this King James Version says tabernacle, New King James says, as long as I'm in this tent, and I've talked about this before, tents stink. Who wants to live in a tent for the rest of their life? Tents are meant for one thing, like, like a night of survival in the woods, and that's it. You don't, you don't cozy up in your tent. Why? It's temporary. Peter says exactly the same thing. As long as we're, I'm in this tent... Because a tent is not made to last, just like your body is not made to last. Take a look at it. I get a kick. I love the like the the advertising um, uh, 
beauty world, like of, of the creams and the, and the things that you can put on you. And they use terms like age-defying. They, they use terms like secrets, and, and it's going to erase the years. What a bunch of baloney that is. Erase the years. You can paint something on your face, and you can hide some blotches for a while. You can fill in the caves and crevices with some gunk for a while. You're never going to erase the years. You're never going to erase the inevitable. You may perhaps, maybe for a while, through diet and exercise and surgeries, you can fool people like for a little bit. But I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm going to get your age within five years, plus or minus. I guarantee it. Everybody else is too. You're not fooling anybody. When it comes to the finality of life here on this earth, you cannot, you cannot dodge it. You cannot erase it. You cannot stop it. Your house was not made to last. Our house was, what, post-World War II? It was like the community to live in in like 1950. And we see already what? Things are like shifting and moving and, and we see cracks. Your, your car constantly, constantly trying to upkeep it. Why? Because there's rust that forms underneath. This whole earth creation is groaning as we are what? Just tenters moving through. Therefore, we are to choose to store our treasures up in a place that we know will last, where our true home actually is. And this morning, if you have acknowledged the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you breathe a sigh of relief to say that, what, heaven, not earth, is my home. You ever have to travel for work before, or you've been away from home for a while? Maybe an extended period of time, a week or two weeks or three weeks, and you got to stay in a hotel? Do, 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 do you take the money that you've earned and do you decorate your hotel room? No. You don't spend it there, you send it. You send it home. I'm here for one reason. That should be the case with our heavenly home, not our earthly home. I reminded people on many occasions, spend some time in cemeteries. That's not like creepy, like that's a wise thing to do. And you realize how quickly life goes. I'm going to give to you another Another field trip. Dads and moms, grandmoms, to take your children and grandchildren on. Go to the dump. Go to the landfill. And, and like, pick, a, pick a place and sit and just watch what happens. Take your lunch. And if you get past the stench and the smell of it, you, you'll enjoy. And you will see what? Big machines crushing stuff and driving over stuff that at one point was what? Was a treasure that was brought home. Happy birthday. Here you go. Enjoy it. Anniversary gifts. All the junk that you've saved up for in your house. All of it. All of it ends up there. A trash heap. A burning pile of refuse, a smoldering, stinking stockpile of soiled, stained, and sorted stuff. Yeah, I came up with that on my own. 
That's where it all goes. And what is interesting is if you're far enough away, you can use some binoculars and you can actually focus in on the trash who have done this. And you're like, hey, that's a piece of a flat screen TV. And you can almost identify. It's fun. There's a sneaker. At some point, people save. And said, what? Um, when I get this, then I'm going to be cool. Where's it? Where's it end up? Dishwashers, designer clothes, boats, barbecues, toys, and tools. Things that people have worked hard for and longed for and hoped for and tried to hold on to for as long as possible. But it doesn't work. Don't, don't be fooled. Don't, don't get too comfortable here. Why? Because this is not your home. This is not my home. So stop decorating your hotel room. Stop wasting money and pretending like you can take it with you when you cannot. Instead, what? Offer it. Offer it to others. Investing. In your eternal home. Thirdly and finally, God desires for you to be with him at home in heaven. The very, to, to the very thought that, that God himself says, where I am, there you will be also. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. There's nothing that will bring more joy than us being actually in the presence of God. A holy, infinite God. All-knowing, all-powerful. He what? He desires to be with you. He longs to have you. And what he desires is for you to offer that hope to others. We teach this all over the place. The big words, what? We love God first, we love people second, in that order. Which means what? People matter. Souls, not stuff, matters. That, that's what we're to focus on. That's what we're to hold on to. As the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the bride. That what is to be prepared in purity and holiness. Why? So when the bridegroom comes, it is a moment of celebration. The master builder, all-knowing and all-powerful. That's, that's pretty good building qualities is building for us a home of where he is. I had somebody ask me recently, but I, I don't, I still don't like totally get it, like how. Somebody asked me like, do I like take a check, pay to the order of God? Like how do I do this? Really, like, like where's the address? Heaven. Like how do I do this? God has ordained the local church. You understand that? We're to bring what? The, the, the first fruits of whatever we have. There's, there's great descriptions of the very best we offer to the Lord first. And you realize that when, when you offer that to the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, what? Then we are responsible to steward this well, to be wise with this. Let me just, as a testimony, just say, I commend 
you for your faithfulness and your sacrificial giving and your joyful giving. Very fact that what? We, we raised over a million dollars to come into this place, to have a place to receive others and a tool as we seek to minister to our community. Just last year, I, I was reminded recently that we had a, a day set apart just to, to bring in our first fruits for a project of trying to pay down some of the debts. Remember a bridge loan in, in one day, well over $100,000 in one day. God is using you. And I commend you. And I thank you for your sacrificial and your joyful giving. Let's, let's, let's be the example to one another. And understand that it's not just by giving, it's by telling others that they too can give. As the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with what? The payment of our own salvation, the atonement for our sins. He's offered forgiveness for us and eternal life. That is the message that we pass on to others. As we have a brief moment, it says that our lives here on this earth are but a mist. Here one moment and gone the next. It's with that sense of urgency that we're to be faithful stewards, knowing that what? This isn't where we end up. Heaven, not earth, is our home. May we live in light of that truth. Father, we love you and we are amazed at your grace that you shower upon us and your love. Thank you, Lord, for your word that teaches us. I pray, Lord, that you give us the strength and the wisdom to be obedient to it. Father, we thank you for the way that you have provided for our needs and we are confident that you will continue to provide. Thank you so much, Lord, that we have so much offered to us that you've given to us and that you've given to us the privilege of giving back as a result of your love. Bless this church. Bless each person, each family. May we be reminded of what you're doing for us at this very moment, interceding on our behalf, allowing the Spirit to comfort and convict with the hope of eternity in your presence. Bless us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing with us.